last night at the Easter Vigil, we baptized five adults and received uh, one person who had been raised as a Protestant into full communion with the Catholic Church and completed the initiation of four others. So we had 10 newly um, <clears throat> baptized and fully initiated members of our parish family last night. And before the Mass last night, I gave them homework. I told them that they needed, before they came to the Mass last night, to watch the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> because I told them we'd be talking about it. And I was hoping it would pique their curiosity as they watched the movie saying, gee, what in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is going to show up at the Easter Vigil on the day of their baptism? And it's this. In case, for those of you who maybe, if it's been many years since you've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or perished the thought and never saw it at all, oh my goodness, it's like not seeing Gone with the Wind. You know, make sure you see it, it's a classic. But for the benefit of those who maybe don't remember the story, the story is around a a young widowed inventor named Caractacus Potts who has two young children, a boy and a girl, Jeremy and Jemima, and they bring him this old beat up car one day and he builds it into a fantastic, beautiful car. And they meet a young heiress in the area, a young single woman by the name of Truly Scrumptious, and they invite her on a picnic one day to go out by the shore and while they're there having a good time, they're sitting in the car and the tide comes up. And of course, they're completely surrounded by water. And that's when they discover that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can float. And so the boat goes floating through the water. Well, into the harbor comes the, the ship of the Baron von Bombast from Bulgaria. And he's a big baby of a man. And he sees the floating car. He goes, a floating car. He goes, I want that car. And he tries to get it. But Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is too fast for it. And all of his efforts to try to get it just doesn't work and the car speeds away. So the Baron tells his men to go out and kidnap the inventor so, and bring him back to his castle so that he can build his own car that will float for him. Well, the guys bumble it and they, they arrest the wrong person. They kidnap Caractacus's father and they carry him off. And of course, Caractacus and Truly and the two kids see the grandfather being carried away and of course they have to go after him and when they get to a cliff and they, there's no more road ahead of them they discover Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can even fly and so they fly all the way to Bulgaria and they land in the village and when they enter the village everybody just stops and stares at them and they're wondering they said what are they staring at and Truly finally realizes she goes it's the children look, there are no children here. And then the toy maker, played by Benny Hill, the toy maker only makes toys for the Baron because there were no children left in the town, says, hey, come in quickly, get these kids in here. So he brings them in and he goes, don't you know it's against the law to have children in Bulgaria? Why? Because the Baroness hates children. And anyone who's caught with a child, the, child, the children are arrested and thrown into a prison. Well, news reaches the castle that they're all there in the village and the two children with them. So uh, when they go out to try to uh, uh, grab the car and everything, they also, the Baroness says, and send out the child catcher as well. So the child catcher comes out and there's this big guy in a weird looking black outfit with a long nose who says he can smell children anywhere. And he goes around, I smell children, they're here somewhere. But of course he can't get them out, but he's going to coax them out. Well, Caractacus and the toy maker go to the castle to try to rescue Grandpa. 
and Truly goes off to get food because they're starving. So she tells the two children, stay here in the basement of the toy shop and don't leave for any reason. I'll be back with food. So she goes off, losing, leaving the two kids alone. Enter the toy catcher, the child catcher, and he, he has turned his truck into a lovely looking candy shop on wheels. And it's, he comes in with this nice little outfit with lollipops in his hands and all this. And children, children, come on out. I've got lots of treats for you. Lollipops and candy and ice cream, and it's all free. What child could resist free candy? So of course, the children, even though they were told not to leave the place, figure it's OK. They go out, and the guy says, come into my truck, and you can have all the candy you want. So they go in the truck, and as soon as he closes the door, the facades fall down. They realize it's just a cage, and the horses grab them, drag them away as the child catcher is grinning and laughing hysterically, and they realize they've been trapped, and truly sees them being taken off to the castle. So obviously, something has to be done. Caractacus and the toy maker, when they come back, she tells them what happened. The children have been arrested. And the toy maker knows a secret way to get into the dungeon where the children are. So he leads them into the place and finds so many children there. And they're amazed at the number of children that are in this jail or this prison because the baroness doesn't like children. And one of the little boys there says to Caractacus, sir, have you come to get us out of here? And he says to him, he goes, you betcha I have. So he puts together a whole scheme, a whole plan, where he will release all the children from prison. And they'll go up into the castle on the next day, because there's a big birthday party for the Baron. And they have this wonderful plan how they infiltrate the, par the party and not only free the children, but capture the Baron, the, Baron Vaness, the Baroness, and the child catcher. And that's what they end up doing. So I'm wondering if I, and of course, after that, then, yeah, everybody leaves, the children are free, grandpa's free, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang takes off, and they live happily ever after. Now, are you wondering how does that connect in with Easter? Well, let's look at one character first, the child catcher. The child catcher, I always see the devil as the child catcher, because what the child catcher does is what the devil does with us. He did it with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I remember God put them in paradise and told them you can eat the fruit of all the trees in the garden. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. But you cannot eat or even touch the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, a nice way of saying, don't try to decide for yourself what is right and wrong. I am God, and you are not. You can be misled. You can be deceived. I cannot. Listen to what I tell you, and everything will be fine. But Satan, in his war against God, comes along and tricks Adam and Eve and says to them, no, you're not going to die if you eat that fruit. No, God knows very well the minute you eat the fruit of that tree, you'll be like God yourself. You'll know right and wrong, and you won't need to listen to him anymore. So basically, he tricks them into believing that God tells them to listen to him so that he can have power over them, so he could just be pulling the strings of the puppets. But he said, but you can be free from God because you don't have to listen to him. You're just as wise as God is. So he's lying to you. And Adam and Eve buy it. They take the bait, and they eat the fruit of the tree. And do they discover they're as knowledgeable as God? No, they only discover that they're naked, and they realize that they were tricked, and Satan gives his hideous, uh, gleeful chuckle, as you can imagine, the biggest guffaw of evil you've ever heard. That was so easy to get them to do that. And with that, they brought Satan's great weapon into the world, death, as God had said would happen if they were to do that. 
And Satan has been doing that to you and me since then. All the evils in the world come from that moment of original sin. And all the evils that we suffer down to this very day are due to Satan tempting us. And like Adam and Eve, we fall so easily. So easily we listen to him and not God. In some things, it could be the normal things we always talk about as the temptations, the temptations for money, the temptations for more toys, even grown-up toys, bigger and more expensive cars and houses and boats and you know, things like that. It could also be the temptation for power, for control, for popularity, all the different things we talk about. In today's world, the devil works very well through the isms out there, all the different things in our world that we're told God is wrong about and the world is going to free us from the tyranny of all of these you know, hate-filled and misguided people. And so, so many people buy into the isms, all the things we're told that are actually evil when in fact they're part of God's, God's call to holiness for us. But he continues to do it over and over again and we get trapped and every one of us has sinned and every one of us is now in need of salvation. And the thing is, we can't do anything on our own. Satan, death is Satan's weapon. And when we died without Jesus, if, he did, if God didn't do anything for us because of original sin, no matter how good we'd try to be, when we died, that would be the entrance to hell. And imagine the devil taking us when we get down there and shackling our wrists and our ankles you know, to the wall like a big dungeon scene and a great iron gate slammed over it and we're trapped and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves because we're not more powerful than Satan is. Only one person had the power to save us, and that was God himself. But God had to do something, had to do something with his own life in order to be able to save us. He had to become one of us. As God himself, he could not enter into the realm of Satan. But as a human being, he could. And so God took on our human nature. God became a man in the person of Jesus. And when Satan saw that, he must have thought God made a major blunder, because I can't believe it. God has made a mistake. He's now man. As a human being, as a mortal, he can die. So all I have to do is get God killed. I'll have him in my prison, and I will have finally won the victory over God. He believes he's got the final victory right there, that he has finally defeated God, that God's made a mistake. He didn't realize that God was coaxing him and tricking him into his own game, and he was going to defeat him with his own weapon. Satan finally took the bait of God, and so he found it childishly easy to get Judas Iscariot to betray him, the chief priest to accuse him of blasphemy, and hand him over to Pilate, who buckled under the pressure and handed him over to be crucified, even though he saw nothing wrong with him, and Jesus was crucified. And as he hung there dead on the cross, Satan must have been looking at him laughing, saying, look at yourself. You call yourself a god? You came to the earth to tell them how much you loved them, you came to save them, and they were so important to you. And what did they do? They confused you with me. And they hated you. And instead of loving you back, they handed you out to the enemies, and they had you put to death. Well, you think you're a god? Let me tell you, I find you pathetic. And I've finally beaten you. I have you, God, trapped into my kingdom. He couldn't have been more wrong because he didn't realize what he did in bringing Jesus into the realm of death 
was to bring the one person in who had the key, shall we say, to open the shackles of all the prisoners and the giant door and lead everybody out of the prison, just like Caractacus Potts did in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Freed all the people there. And when Jesus rose from the dead, now he could look at Satan and say, look at me. Look what you did to me. Look what you forced them to do to me. And now I've turned your weapon against you because now death is no longer the entrance into hell, but our entrance into heaven. Yes, you and I will all die, but when we die, our souls will go to the glory of God's kingdom and our bodies await the last day when just as Jesus rose from the dead, you and I will rise from the dead and we will have a perfect soul in a perfect body and a perfect new creation for all of eternity. That's what Jesus won for us by his passion, his suffering, death, and resurrection. And that's what we celebrate Sunday after Sunday as we rejoice in the Lord's resurrection and ask him to help us follow him. Because Satan still tempts us. He still tricks us, as we've mentioned. And he's still trying to get us to turn away from God. But the Lord says, don't make the mistake. Listen to me, do everything I tell you, and he has no power over you, and you will be with me. And so we come over and over again to realize Sunday after Sunday how we have sinned and are in need of the Lord's forgiveness that we receive, especially in receiving his body and blood as our food, that we take Christ himself, God enters us, and we are now made of God, just as he took on our nature, we take on his. And we receive over and over again the forgiveness of our sins, put back on the right track, and keep our minds focused on Christ and following him and not listening to all the lies of the devil so that Christ can lead us through this world to the glory of his kingdom. But in order to inherit that, there's something that we need, and that's the sacrament of baptism. And that's what last night five adults did, and all of us who have been baptized, the day we were baptized, we received the promise, the guarantee of eternal life with Christ as long as we remain close to him. And so, my brothers and sisters, today, the day of Easter joy, we rejoice in what the Lord has done for us. And hopefully we also realize, you know, the devil is still out there trying to trick us. And he does so much, the, and he's very clever. He, just like the child catcher who entices the children with candy, he entices us with things that look good for us, whether they're physical things, whether they're the sociological ideas and the mindsets and the things that we're told in the world today we're supposed to embrace and get on the bandwagon with. He tempts us with all these different things to, uh, to deny Jesus, to turn away from him so that he can gather us in and entrap us once again and keep us from that salvation that Jesus won for us, that we inherited the day of our baptism. And so let today, the day of Easter joy, be the day that we say no. We say no to Satan and all of his lies and all of his tricks and everything we hear in the newspapers and all over the place about we need to be compassionate to do this and do that and believe this and all that and say no. Those are Satan's lies. I will follow Christ and Christ alone. Lord, strengthen me and help me do your will. And if we do that, Satan can have no power over us and we will have the promise of eternal life fulfilled in us. When our life is over on this earth, the Lord will say to us, well done, brave and faithful servant. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, the kingdom you inherited on the day of your baptism, on the day you put on Christ. And we will realize then that the greatest news the world has ever heard were the words spoken by the angels to the women that first Easter Sunday, you are looking for Jesus, the crucified one. He is not here. He has been raised. Alleluia. Alleluia. Oh, we can do a better alleluia than that. Alleluia. Alleluia.
good. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.